And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and joining you as we do twice a week here on The Athletic, where if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you should go to theathletic.com slash spin right. Let them know we sent you. We do this show twice a week that you should, should subscribe to that. Wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcatcher, Podfeed, Podbean, whatever. Do it. This is the spiel. Get it out of the way early so we can get right to the meet. Me and former Blue Jays All-Star Ricky Romero, who joins me as he does every week at this time. Ricky, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, looking forward to this series coming up with the Jays and the Yankees, two teams that have been struggling, and they're coming off some... Uh, I guess you would call it some emotional wins last night. And um, it's going to be another important series for the Jays. And you hope that they can gain, continue to gain some ground. And, and hopefully that win yesterday kind of put them back, back on their feet. It's, uh, if you're a Blue Jays fan, it's a, been a real shame that they have slumped so badly at this time when the Yankees have been slumping as well. Number one, I think it's important to remember that it happens to everybody. Even a team that looked like they could not be beaten, as the Yankees did for the first 70, 80, 90 games of the year. But the Blue Jays have slumped. They haven't gained as much ground to the Yankees as they would have liked. They haven't, they've lost some ground in the wild card race, but here they are facing head to head with the New York Yankees. And as you mentioned, the Blue Jays, of course, came off a, when we were recording this on Thursday morning, coming off a or morning, afternoon, whatever, morning for you. <laughs> uh, a big win, six win, six one win over Baltimore. Much needed, desperately needed win. To get to right the ship a little bit after losing the first two against Baltimore. Lots of lots to talk about in the aftermath of those two games. The Yankees, of course, with a very emotional win, roller coaster ride, fall behind early to the Tampa Bay Rays, come all the way back, give up three runs in the top of the ninth inning, only to see Josh Donaldson, the much maligned and uh, author of not a great season. Yeah, Yankees fans not really too excited about having Josh Donaldson in the mix these days. And yet there he was, walk off Grand Slam. Just like you practice in the backyard when you're throwing pitches to yourself or throwing them off the back of the wall, whatever. Walk off Grand Slam, opposite way, Yankees pick up an enormous 8-7 win over the dreaded Tampa Bay Rays, which in its own way helps the Blue Jays a little bit as the Blue Jays and Rays are among those teams battling it out for the wild card. But let's talk a little bit about what came out of that Orioles series. A few things that came out of it uh, come out of the rotation. You say Kikuchi is not going to be pitching in the rotation for the in the immediate future as he's been moved to the bullpen with Mitch White being given the next start for his, the Toronto Blue Jays with Kikuchi. Hoping to get right in the bullpen. My plan of, uh, of Japanese Andrew Miller, well on its way. But... <laughs> <laughs> big vote of big vote. That's that's what I believe. This is what, that's what I need to believe. It's what I'm telling myself in my soul. Japanese. Hey, you're Andrew a positive guy, man. You're a very positive guy. I, I like Look, that. Andrew Miller was the best at at 
strike to balls, right? Getting people to swing at balls and get people to take strikes. You you say Kikuchi, everything looks like a ball. So he's already halfway there. He's he's already well on the way. Got the velo, got the slider. Just simplify it right down. One thing that would really help if you say Kikuchi could grow like a good six or seven inches. Andrew Miller, of course, a very, very tall and imposing figure. And, And throw across his body. Throw across his body, uh, be really <laughs> weird long legs like like Dustin May, but like also Andrew Miller. Uh, I think we talked about this when he retired. Uh, Andrew Miller in the in the trenches all winter long in the in the labor dispute, fighting on on, on behalf of his position as the head of the, of the players' association. Then they get the deal done, and he retires. Not the head of the players' association. That's Max Scherzer, actually. But Andrew Miller like took a very fo- very front forward facing you know hard line you know, guy in that negotiation and then retired, which I think is super cool. Uh, such an admirable position for him to have taken that and, and done the right thing for, for the state of the game, for the players, for the union, for all of, uh, hopefully for the, for the betterment of the product as well for the fans. So shout out to Andrew Miller, shout out to Yusei Kikuchi. We, you got it in you, Yusei Kikuchi, but we won't talk about him <laughs> right away. One thing we should talk about is Ross Stripling who made his return to the rotation and looked like a million bucks. John Schneider, the first millennial manager in the history of the Blue Jays, dropping the Bob Ross reference on the world, <laughs> talking about him painting. Um, there's not much else I think you can't ask Ross Stripling to do anything more than he's already done this season. What a job. There's, there was a lot of talk uh, on you know the kind of talk radio saying, oh, the Blue Jays only have two starters you can trust if you're in a playoff series. Who's going to get game three? You know, it's obviously disappointing to see what's going on with Jose Barrios this year, but like Ross Stripling is that guy, right? You can't you can't take the, take that opportunity away from him, given how well he's pitched as a starter, given the work that he the the job that he's done, and given the results that he's produced on the field. You need someone to get outs. You need someone to start a game and give you a good outing. There's no reason to believe it can't be Ross Stripling starting today. One hundred percent. And what I love about watching him pitch is the efficiency how effective he is. It's not going Mm -hmm. out there and I'm going to blow your tires out. It's I'm going to go out there and pitch. And his changeup is a thing of beauty, Drew, when you watch it in slow motion. And I know I think uh, the, the pitching ninja, I believe had his, uh, has his little slow motion camera on his changeup, how it comes up, how it comes out of his hand. And just, again, you, you can't say enough about him. It's like, he's been the savior to this rotation, this mighty rotation that wasn't, expecting Ross Stripling to be a part of it but mm-hmm. he's grabbed the bull by the horns and said you know what hop on like I'm I'm I'm, I'm just as good as anybody and you, you're right I mean if you're and if the season ended today and you needed your top three starters you almost can't leave Ross Stripling out it's you know you go Manoa Gosman and then Ross Stripling has made a case for it and that you know and and Barrios hasn't been the pitcher that we thought he was going to be, and right now he's he's struggling. So it, in a in a three game series, it'd be he'd be hard to trust. And um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 please go ahead, please. No, and I was just he, gonna say, I just love how efficient he's been and and the effectiveness of it, and how he's going out there and just attacking guys. And obviously, uh, a perfect game is is something that you dream of as a pitcher, and the fact that you take it into a seventh inning on your first start back from the IL. And you do it with such ease. Just told me like this. This this guy is ready. He's 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 a staple in this rotation right now. Right now he's a staple in this rotation. He's your top. He's part of your top three guys. And 
again, credit to him because it's not easy to make a move from the bullpen to to a starting job and then make it look so easy. And one, he's a veteran. He understands his role and and good for him. I, again, I, I feel like I've said that before about him, but I just love how effective he is, man. And and I'll continue to say that word. It's just it's it's awesome when you're watching him work fast that, you know, and, and you're putting up zeros, you're giving the team a chance to win. And next thing you know, boom, the 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 offense finally breaks through through with one run and then they have a big inning and it just starts getting contagious. And I feel like sometimes that's what you need. That's why I always say as a starting pitcher, you set the tone for your team. You set everything that 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 kind of goes ahead. Now, if you lose one nothing, who cares? I mean, that's that's just part of the game. But mm-hmm. when you're setting the tone and your your teammates are seeing that you're going out there and you're battling and you and and and, and you're putting up zeros, they wanna they want to start hitting for you. And it almost, you know, that, what was it, in the seventh inning, eighth inning, it almost seems like things just started rolling for them. And it's like, oh, these these are the Blue Jays that we're accustomed to seeing. This, this is the lineup that we're accustomed to seeing. Santiago Espinal at the bottom of the lineup, you know, getting things started. You know, obviously, um, um, I don't know if, I'm sure we're going to get into it. I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But it, it just became <laughs> contagious. Absolutely. And, I, and, and yeah. I, the, that op, the offense, like when you see it get right and it doesn't have to be home runs, right? They put, they put you in a tough spot, right? With, with the bases get, the bases are loaded. And then you, 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 okay, you got through Vlad and now you've got Alejandro Kirk who, who's, who's in a bit of a slump and hasn't had an extra base hit in a while, but then he does, he's able to come through with a double, scores a whole bunch of runs, right? And, and then I think the other thing you see is, is as this Blue Jays team has become a little bit more athletic, you know, over the, over the time, uh, over, over the season and, and with some really good base running, uh, you know, you can, you score all three. It, it, it makes a huge, makes a huge difference. The one thing I was thinking too, and the, so the three pitchers that we're kind of talking about right now, we're talking about Yusei Kikuchi, talking about Jose Barrios, and we're talking about Ross Stripling. Baseball terminology that I think might trip people up sometimes is the difference between command and control. And I think mm-hmm. when you look at Stripling and you look at Kikuchi and you look at Barrios, that's the great example of all three of those pieces, right? I've said this time and time again. Jose Barrios this year doesn't have command because he's throwing his pitches, his fastball in particular, for strikes, but it's in the zone so often and to the point where he's missing, but he's not missing with his with his spot. He's not missing the zone. He's missing his spot. But instead of being off the plate, it's over the plate. And I think I heard, um, it might have been Arden or someone talking about, or it was actually it was uh, Chris Black talking about in his last time out, it looked like, like Barrios was throwing his fastball out of the zone on purpose, almost trying to like get induce swing and misses based on what he's been doing, which is missing the wrong way and leaving stuff over the plate. So Brios doesn't really walk a lot of people, but his command isn't there because the pitchers aren't just not going where he needs them to go. They're going to the worst case scenario, often right down the middle of the plate. They're supposed to be down. They end up up or just elevated. Kikuchi's the opposite. Kikuchi has no control. They're all over the place. He's throwing it here, there, and everywhere, falling behind. And then he's trying to sneak fast, sneak sliders past people for strikes, trying not to walk them, just trying to do anything to get a strike. And then he leaves a slider over the middle of the plate. And the next thing you know, it's over the fence. Right, where well, yeah. we saw him just given given home runs, but Ross Stripling, who doesn't have as good of stuff as either of those two guys, stuff matters. Like I'm not even, you're never going to get me to be one of those guys who's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you throw it 100 miles an hour. It does. It really does. If you throw 100 miles an hour, you have a lot more margin for error. And if you have a breaking ball that's 90 or above, it doesn't even have to be a good one. Often, oftentimes, 
But Ross Stripling has that beautiful changeup, as you said. He's able to throw his curveball for strikes, his fastball. You know, as we've talked about a million times, it's not like the old days where he's throwing it up there 88, 89. Like Ross Stripling throws hard. His fastball, average fastball is like 92. But Mm -hmm. it's when those pitchers are thrown in the right spots to make it difficult to do damage. And they're thrown into spots that allows each of those other pitches to, to play up. Because if he can throw the fastball down and away to a left-handed hitter, then they're worried about it. And then the changeup is just so much more of an effective pitch out there because he can get them to swing and miss when it when it dives off the table. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect explanation of what you just said right there of the three of them. And to me, obviously, Kikuchi is a guy that I always say he's trying to trick everyone. And I'm like, mm-hmm. don't try and trick anybody. Just go out there. He's trying to throw that 3-2 slider. Um, and it's almost like it's every time and every time it gets waffled for a home run. <laughs> it just it seems like it always happens when he shakes from a fastball to you know it's a slider three two and then boom it gets hit and it's almost like his his he's like thinking so much because he's like how can i trick these guys how can i get an out whether mm-hmm. when it's like hey i need to trust my stuff it's plenty good enough all right that's mm-hmm. been said and done um barrios to me like you said it's it's a guy that he lives in the zone a little bit too long and and when you when you live in in the middle, in the heart of the plate, in the big leagues, you're, it stuff like that is going to happen. What's happened to him this season? Because when we've seen him at his best, he locates that fastball and then he throws that wiping curveball or slider. I never could tell. I feel like he throws both sometimes, or one, he throws one slower than the other. But he, he feels he, like he can shape it a lot, right? He, if right? he needs yeah. it to to be a bit more sharp or throw it for a strike or throw it for a swing and miss, it definitely mm-hmm. plays with it a lot. Because this ball sinks so much sometimes, but you're right. Sometimes it just gets a little flat in the zone. But when he's mm-hmm. got that good sinker and that good slider curveball going to both sides of the plate, and he's splitting the plate in half, as we call it, um, that's when you see him see him at his best. And 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 sometimes when he doesn't split the plate in half and he lives a little bit up in the zone, then you know we see the results that we saw last outing. And then you mentioned Stripling. Stripling's a guy that's going to go out there and, and he's going to split the plate. And he's going to say, here's my best stuff, hit it. Here's my best stuff, hit it. And 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 you saw it yesterday. And again, he's a guy that that works um, at a good tempo and is very efficient. I think with Burial, sometimes his tempo kind of lacks. And and it's just like he's not a guy that, boom, I'm, I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to get on the mound. And I'm going to trust my stuff. With him, he's, it's almost like he's not trusting it. He's he's he. He throws a pitch, and it's almost like, how can I make it better? And you can just start seeing the the wheels spin a little bit. And where you know Stripling is obviously you know veteran guy, he knows what he wants to do. He knows his game, which is the most important part. He knows his game. He knows what he wants to do to hitters. So that to me is is a big part of of his success. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think the the Kukuchi piece is interesting to me because, yeah, we talk about him going to a slider 3-2 when he throws so hard and he's got such an effective fastball. But there's that, A, trust your stuff, but also you have to be able to trust yourself to throw a first strike. If he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I can get this over the plate, or if I don't, I don't know if I, if I can, if, if my, if I'm, as you said, splitting the plate in half and I'm working on the outside half with this, with this fastball, but I don't know if I can get it there and I don't want to walk him. So mm-hmm. I feel like I can throw, if, if he feels like he can throw a strike with the slider, so then he goes to it, but that it's like, it, it is a strike in that it has split the plate in two of the pitch in, in that it's in the very center and then it gets hard. And then Barrios, again, those misses are, there's two things about Barrios. When he pitched against Cleveland, he gave up a couple home runs. One was against Josh Naylor, mm-hmm. and it was a fastball, and it was up in the zone. And I shared the clip on Twitter, and I was like, this isn't even that bad a pitch. Yeah. Which it's true, because it wasn't. But it's a bad pitch against that hitter, because that's where he really likes to, to live. Josh Naylor is not like a lot of left-handed hitters. He lives up in the zone. His hot zones are at the top. So a fastball that's up there that he can drive out to left, fi- uh, out to left field or left-center field – that's not where you want to throw that pitch to him. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. And I don't think that that was the target. I don't think they would said, let's throw this up there because they never would have called that. They never would have said, let's throw it into this guy's nitro zone and give him the opportunity to get his arms extended and do what he does, hit the ball out to right field. So again, that's one of those things where it's like, he's just missing with his fastball in all the worst places. But the thing that was really interesting to me was the home run that he hit. He gave up to Jose Ramirez, which was a <laughs> changeup that was like below the zone. That You 100% got to tip your cap. To Jose Ramirez, who's one of the best yeah. players in baseball and has been for the better part of a decade. But I am, there's a big part of me that thinks that Jose Barrios is tipping his pitches still, or, or is tipping his pitches. Like they know, I don't know how you can sit there and sit back on a changeup and, and pick it off the ground like that unless you were sitting, either sitting on it or knowing it was coming. Yeah. Now, that's a really hard thing to nail down, especially if you're not in the dugout and you're not, you know, those guys are having conversations and I'm not, I'm not having, and they see stuff that I not, would never be able to see on, on TV. But that kind of swing on that kind of pitch is one of the things that's like, man, is he, is he tipping? Like they, they got to know something about what's coming. But then of course it could be about his pitch selection and just the way that he's gone. And if he's like, yeah. it doesn't matter physically what you're doing. I know you're going to throw a change up here because you've done it four times in the last, in the last time through the order because it's the only thing you know that works. That, that's exactly what I was going to get to. Maybe it's the pitch selection. Maybe mm-hmm. Ramirez is like, you know what? Every time he has me on this count, he throws that. He tries to bury that changeup. I'm gonna try mm-hmm. and see it out of the hand and keep that bat in that swing path long enough to where I can flick the wrist and and hit it out. Which, um, yeah, like you said, I saw I saw your tweet and and I was like, man, how the hell did did he hit that? That those that's one of those things where as a starting pitcher or as a pitcher in general, you you're you threw the pitch. You it felt good out of your hand, and you're like. You look back and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> But, Drew, it's one of those things, again, where where you start thinking. You start, you come back to the dugout and you're like, was I tipping a pitch? Was I doing this? Was I doing that? What did I do there? What did I? And you start questioning. And that, to me, is the recipe for, for, for disaster. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Berrios, I'm sure, came back and he's, he he's, he's has all these thoughts in his head. What's going on? How did he do that? Uh 
Do they have a sign? Did somebody say something? Did somebody whistle? Did somebody did? And, and you start thinking that you forget about 60 feet, six inches. You forget about making quality pitches. Now you're thinking like, oh my God, I better cover my glove. I better cover the ball. Maybe something they saw something different. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm fanning my glove. I'm opening or I'm closing it on certain pitches. And that when, when, when it takes away from what you're trying to do to a hitter, then you, you're fucked. It just, mm-hmm. it, it don't matter. And, and I feel like that's where Barrios has been all season where he's, he has scuffled so bad at times that when he does scuffle, it's like the questioning begins, like, um, you know, what am I doing and, and what can I do to fix it? And that's why I don't think we've seen a consistent Jose Barrios. I, I, I was, um, I was texting with somebody and, and I said, man, coming into the season, I never thought Barrios was the, the, the last of my concerns as far as consistency because the track record that he came with was he's consistent he's going to give you innings and he's going to keep you in the game and i was i wasn't worried about that part and maybe i jinxed him because i picked him to be in the top three in cy young this season <laughs> you're not alone that, you're absolutely not alone in that but that's the track record he came right with right i mean he's a guy that when 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 they made the trade for him last season and he kind of got off to a slow start with the Jays and then he finished strong, you're like, wow, okay, if this guy can continue this into this season and be the staff ace and everyone can just kind of fall into place with the Cosman, Manoa, and stuff like that, you, 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 you there wasn't a worry. But right now, obviously, there's there's a reason to worry and he hasn't been as consistent as we've seen him in his in his past. So you hope that he catches fire, man. I mean, again, he's not a guy that that they're gonna he's not kikuchi where they're gonna yank him out of the rotation and send him to the mm-hmm. pen he's gonna be a guy mm-hmm. that hey man like if they get him on a hot roll he's a huge huge asset to the rotation obviously i feel like the blue jays when you look at the way they spent their money in the last few years right they sign guys like hyunjin ryu and george springer as free agents where there are some maybe some red flags about those guys and the, so that the Blue Jays who typically haven't been like the highest or the first choice free agent destination, they're able to go in there and kind of make an aggressive move for a guy that other teams might be a little bit unsure about. Hyunjin Ryu, there's obviously health concerns. He's a guy who's battled injuries a lot through his career, was great. Deal hasn't worked out because A, because of obviously because 2020 was cut down so short and then he was, he was fine in 2021 and then 2022 kind of went sideways. Springer, same sort of thing. Great, great player guy who's been hurt. And so, but the Blue Jays committed and made that move. Barrios was the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was they got a good look at him. As you said, they brought him in. He pitched well. He worked with the team. He, he took to that instruction. He, he worked with the, with Matt Bushman and Pete Walker and all those guys and became in the last half or the last bit of last half of his time in 2021 in Toronto, really, really effective to the point that the Blue Jays threw a whole pile of money at him. I don't think they, they were doing that for fun. They didn't do that. They didn't quote unquote need to do it. He still would have been uh, under contract this year if they hadn't done that. So I think that what we've seen this year, and as you said, they're not going to pull him from the rotation. I think what we're seeing is is him still working, right? Still being in there and and trying to work and and get to figure it out and go out there and and even though he's he's been having a tough year and and guys are hitting him, still taking the ball every fifth day, still mm-hmm. taking the ball, still going out there, being like, I'm gonna, what am I gonna do today to give my team a chance to win? And that's the sort of thing where where maybe you know another another guy. Or if they hadn't done that contract, maybe he's he's less likely to do that. Maybe he's he's gonna try to protect his reputation a little bit, or be like, "Oh, I was hurt. Go on the go on the injured list, whatever." So I think it's 
I don't know if admirable. It, it's you know, it's you never like to see someone going out there getting their brains beat in like that, right? But the fact that he's taking the ball every fifth day, the fact that he's doing all that work and working with the team um, uh, in between starts, you just hope that he can figure it out. And, may, and if he is hurt, if there is like a knee thing or, or something, again, I saw somebody not speculate that he that that was what's going on, but like almost hope. Like, oh, he's got some loose bodies in his knee and maybe he gets it cleaned up and he comes back in the spring and he's good to go. But uh, he can and should be a big and important part of the team. So hopefully they can get him figured out and, and he can get himself in a position where he can just go out there and pitch, feel good about all four of his of his pitches or at least the top three offerings. And he can go out there and just be the guy that he he can be because as great it is as Stripling step forward, as great as Gossman has been, um, you know, there still are some questions about Alec Manoa. I don't know. We, we don't want to spend too much time, but are you concerned at all about Alec Manoa's workload at this point and sort of how he's kind of been getting hit around a little bit throughout the season? I, I just think he's in uncharted territory, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a young guy that's never, I mean, I think he's already way past his uh, innings pitch ever in his For career. Sure. And, mm-hmm. um, you you have to sit there and wonder like okay like it's fatigue gonna set it, set it, set in for him but he's come out and said that he's gonna be just fine and and you have to trust him for that I mean again he's put himself in this position to to be able to say hey um, maybe that I I guess he's not in a position I guess there's no position because they're in the middle of a playoff race I was gonna say if they were like the Yankees were you know they're 10 games up on 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 in the wild card then you can be like hey man maybe we'll skip you and just kind of regroup a little bit and, and and stuff like that but there is no regrouping right now you gotta just go and um I don't I don't I don't see a concern again um I look at his last start and he keeps his team in the game man I mean um you know obviously it's not the we we weren't gonna see him dominate the way he dominated the first half, where it was like you know six, no, seven, eight shut piece. You you mentioned earlier in the show about the teams, like you you knew that what the Yankees were doing was not gonna be sustainable. Everyone hits it. Was well, a player, it, it's the same thing. It, it, it's very rare that you're able to sustain the same consistency all season. You're gonna hit a little bit of a wall, but I, I think. Um, um, as far as being concerned, I I don't think so. I think he's got the right mentality. He's got the 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 right approach when he's out there and he's a guy that the team feeds off of when he's on the mound so i don't think you can take that um away as far like i don't think it's going to be a situation where it was like um who was the team uh was it steven strasberg a few years with the nationals yeah in 2012 (laughs) i think that was where they were saying like they shut him down yeah yeah that's our future boom we're not i don't think the 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 the, the Blue Jays would ever do that um, again. And I think Manoa would kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be the one that's t- going to tell him that? Alec, we're sitting you down. Like, sorry, fellas, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I don't, I'm not concerned. Um, again, you wish there was a big enough lead to ma- where maybe um, you can, like, skip a guy and be like, all right, let's just kind of back, like, this the workload, let's just kind of give you a, a a week's rest and just see where it goes just to get you ready for the playoffs but right now it's they're in the playoff they're in the playoffs already and and again and and it's one of those things where i'm not worried about him and his velocity it's not like his velocity's down or anything like that um it's just one of those things where teams have gotten to see him more and and he's gonna have to make those adjustments i always said the more teams saw me the more i have to adjust to them yes a, a certain game plan might work um you know, the first half of the season, but when they see you again, 
they've adjusted to you. They're the, the hitters are now some of the hitters are seeing the ball better than they were earlier in the season. So now, what can adjustment can I make um, against the hitter that's making the adjustments that you know where I dominated him in in April? Like now, it's it's a little bit different. So it's that cat and mouse game that I think Manoa can play, obviously, and he's going to be just fine. I, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about him. I think play, come playoff time. Um, I'm not even going to say if they get there. When they get there, it's going to be one of those things where he feeds off the the the, the energy of the crowd, and you're going to see the the best. You you, I think the best is yet to come with Alec Manoa. You, I just love to see him. He's just such a battler, right? Like I, I just really admire that on the mound, especially for a young guy. You know, he, he's definitely not the guy who you see kind of peeking over to the dugout in the fifth inning, and he's like, "All right, boys, let's like." You can get me out of here now. Like I'm good. He's he he is just out there trying to do everything he can, uh, yeah. and and that when you know it, it when it when it works or when it when he's keeping his team in the game, it's so it's so huge because he's just like we I've said a thousand times. Oh, okay, this, this isn't working, and he pulls that. You might lose that pitch for a, a time or two or a, a couple batters, and sort of bring it out and and just really try and do everything that he can to to put his team in a position to win. And then, of course, Kevin Gossman, of course, who is, uh, man, he's really good. Uh, Kevin Gossman is just such a monster. Uh, we, you and I haven't spoken since last. He was undone by his defense, uh, which is exactly what happened. But, uh, you know, the, Kevin Gossman's a guy who's just had a lot of bad luck happen mm-hmm. to him this year. But uh, just just such a great pitcher. So great to watch him um, work because he's, uh, uh, he's really something. That's a, that's a tidy signing. You gotta love Kevin Gossman. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he's he's been consistent, man. I mean, a guy, another guy that that'll take the ball and he's gonna go out there and 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 grind and and give you quality innings, quality starts, and um, you know, not too worried about him either. Uh, again, it it it's just yeah, he <laughs> that last game he threw it was you were just seeing stuff like. The, the the guardians do they don't beat you by the home run right they don't they, they they're a team that like every for, i felt like i saw it all weekend it was one of those things where base hit steal second base hit one nothing and and it was it, it almost seems like they did it all weekend to the blue jays they don't really have the the big superpower guys yeah jose ramirez josh naylor can hit the ball out of the ballpark but a lot of the times it's just like they're just going to put the ball in play and make things happen and i feel like that's what the Jays started doing yesterday um, in that seventh inning with Santiago Espinal. Uh, again, a guy that and the, when he when the Jays were going good, Drew, he was a guy at the bottom of the lineup. He was a catalyst. He's a guy that just gets on base. And and I was a little puzzled, though. Brandon Hyde has done a lot of things. I was a little puzzled that he brought in a lefty to f- obviously face Tapia, knowing damn well that Schneider had George Springer in the dugout. And to me, George Springer who's a guy that I wanted to talk about is George Springer is about as clutch as they come. And I feel like he lives for that moment, lives for that situation. And you saw the kind of spark pluck that he can bring into the lineup and just his presence alone, just, you know, the emotion of it. Uh, It was all over social media, obviously him sliding into home plate and screaming and yelling. And as he should be, again, it's one of those things where, I know his elbow's messed up, but godly man, I don't, I, I don't want to see him take another day off. Like at this point, I just don't like whether it's DH, whether it's center field, something like that guy needs to be in the lineup every single day. 
It is. He is such a. He makes a difference in the lineup because he's a good hitter. Full stop. Like the, the, we don't have to get any any more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Having a good hitter in the lineup compared to uh, Ramal Tapia, who is can be effective in the right situation, compared to Jackie Bradley Jr., compared to Kevin Biggio. Like Biggio is a or, uh, Springer is a better hitter than all those guys. All three of those guys fucking combined aren't as good a hitter <laughs> as George Springer. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I am of a, of the age where I am like a, yeah, yeah sure, guys are, some guys are better in clutch situations. Often it's good hitters. Good hitters are good in good are, are good are good hitters in tough situations, but I can't help but notice that like if it feels, it feels like Vlad hasn't delivered in those big situations, and I just really wish that he would. Now, is that true in 2022? In a lot of ways, it's not true. If, if I'm looking on Fangraphs right now in high leverage situations, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has the highest weighted runs created plus on the team. He walks a ton. He draw, he's drawn 23% per, uh, walk rate. So he's been up 43 times. He's drawn like 10 walks, 11 walks in, in those situations. But it doesn't feel like that. And I wonder why <laughs> that is. We, I, I guess we're still waiting. We, we're waiting for like that signature Vlad Jr. walk-off home run, I think, is where we are. Because uh, in my mind, Bo Bichette has been way better in those situations. Bo Bichette is the guy who seems to always come up with big hits and like in those late and close situations. But he's 
he's not as effective as Vlad, but I, I just feel like it's a matter of being able to draw to to produce that big hit in that big moment. And and I just I, I just feel like I haven't seen it yet. I don't know, but it, I'm I'm wrong. But that's just how it feels. I don't know. What, what do you think? Like, well, is there something that George Springer can teach these other guys about <laughs> how to well, how to I, be how to be I was, clutch? I was gonna say that at bat yesterday, he he was down 0-2. And mm-hmm. what I like about Springer is he got jammed, but he still found a way to get enough of the ball to where you know he's able to do a little bit of damage with it. And I think sometimes with the Vladis of the world, the Bows of the world. It's like they they get so caught up in the situation. And it's like Vladdy wants to hit a home run. I mean, every single at bat. But it almost seems like in those situations, obviously you're facing a good reliever, whoever it is, especially if it's in a big situation like that. And he's not going to give in. And, and I feel like maybe Vladdy's swing gets a little bit longer than it than than it usually does because when we see him hit home runs, it's like nice and easy, and it's a hard. You know, he can take you the other way, and he can take you dead center, or he can pull the ball. Um, and I feel like sometimes the situation, the the magnitude of it, like obviously it's intense. So he wants to like make his mark and it hasn't happened yet, but, um, he has had a, a few walk-off or I think I believe one walk-off hit this season. I believe it was against walk-off Bautista. Hit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was an absolute laser because I remember being at the stadium for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it just comes with experience and, uh, I, I think, uh, George Springer has been in that role for such a long time. I mean, we watched him against the LA Dodgers, and obviously, you know, whether he had the signs or not, <laughs> uh, I still remember Game Seven where he came in and uh, off of you, Darvish. I was at the at the stadium watching that game, and he just came in, set the tone, boom, home run, one nothing. Here we go, and it was like, damn, like this guy is for real. Like he just, I think he he thrives on those situations and. and on those situations and that's why i say he's a guy that needs to be in that lineup from here on out like i don't think he they can afford him to be like a uh um uh skip i need a day here like no man like let's go like i need you here like this is this is crunch time again they don't have the luxury that the yankees have where they're 10 games up 11 games up whatever it is and and they can actually rest him for for a couple days and and just kind of let him sit back they don't have that luxury right now it's let's get let's 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 get through August. Let's get into September. Let's get hot so that we can roll it into October. And again, obviously, I don't know what his pain tolerance is or how bad it is. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, he's the only one that knows that or the team is the only one that knows that. But man, I mean, his elbow didn't look like it hurt yesterday. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> it's it's really... So I'm looking at the numbers now. I'm using baseball reference and I'm looking at like... If I look at the 2020 Blue Jays, late and close situations. So in terms of like overall numbers, Vladdy is number one. He's got a 950 OPS, sorry, number two behind Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio's got a 1,000 OPS in 24 late and close plate appearances. Bobichette's OPS is like 669, which is even below what he is for the season. But Bo's got five home runs. So those are the things that we remember, right? Those are things that stick out in your mind. Late and close home runs, Awesome. But we don't remember as much the fact that he's, you know, got 14 hits in 74 uh, at bats. Where Vlad, Vlad, he's got he's got 20 hits and he's got 12 walks in 67 plate appearances. So like his numbers are really good. But the ball doesn't go over the fence, and it makes it, which it makes it easy to remember. You remember those ones? You remember the walk off? Remember the game tying home run? So it it is it's important. I think every so often to like check ourselves and remember that. Also, uh, uh, George Springer's numbers. 
uh, in late and close situations this year uh, are terrible, which is super weird. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, well, you're yeah. right. You're right. We remember the big ones, right? We you remember mm-hmm. like the like the, mm-hmm. the big hits, but yeah, I mean, I I think it's just the the back end of uh, bullpens nowadays are not easy to hit. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> and, but all and that I, said, I I think as you said, I would. Does that because George Springer's got terrible numbers in late and close situations this year? Does that mean that I don't want to see George Springer come up in those situations? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Do I want Bo come? Do I want uh, George Springer coming up? I do. Do I want Bo coming up? I do because mm-hmm. I've seen those guys deliver. You know that George Springer, who is such a has such a good approach and is not going to change it, and has just had such success in those moments where, as you said, he's able to fight one off, get jammed and kind of fight it off for a base hit. We've seen him hit big, you know, big home runs in, in, in situations in the past. You want him to come up. Now, do I want Vlad to come up? Of course, be, whether or not he's had great success or great visual success at the big leagues, as opposed to when we look back and I'm like, oh man, he sure does get on base a lot in those situations. I love to see that, those, those walks in that situation from, 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 from Vlad, but maybe, well, no, I don't want to go that down that maybe, road. Maybe like, Vladdy. Maybe Vladdy's waiting for his signature October moment. You never know. There we go. He there had a signature go. March moment when he hit that. He had a walk off home run in Montreal in 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 an exhibition game against uh, St. Louis, which was great. Which was the highlight of the 2019 Blue Jays season. <laughs> but uh, oh no, 2018 actually. That was 2018. Man, that was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I think that maybe he's waiting for that. Waiting to author a signature moment, and you know he's he's. He's as good a hitter as they've got. He's as good a hitter as there is. I know that his numbers are down this year, but like there aren't there are not very many hitters that are that are better than Vlad. What's going on this year or not? So you can only hope and believe that he's going to author that moment when he gets yep. that opportunity. Maybe this weekend against the Yankees, Clay Holmes has been struggling. Raldis Chapman's been struggling. Jonathan Lewisaga is my my guy, my absolute favorite. Has uh, been hurt a lot this year. Maybe this is the weekend that Vlad's able to author a great, not October, this is an August moment, but you won't have October moments if you can't have some big August ones as well. You are 100% right. And this is where Berrios, his, his start tonight becomes even bigger. And, and again, they, he got paid to be pitching in these games in August. And, and he, he has to go out there and set the tone for this team, for this rotation. It's an important series. They're, they're, it's not an easy Yankee team. Frankie Montas, their big acquisition is going to go against him. And what better way to be at Yankee Stadium, 7 o'clock at night, and be able to go in there and just pound them? Just take, keep your eyes off the Yankeeology. Don't be, don't be when you're out there don't. shagging. Brandon Morrow. <laughs> Brandon Morrow. <laughs> he used to say, don't fall for that propaganda bullshit Yankeeography during batting practice. Do not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this before off the air and it was like my all-time favorite story i didn't i didn't want to put put it out there immediately but this is the time this is the time to tune it all out yeah. go out there yeah. do the do so, work do damage let, let, let me explain it a little bit so for our <laughs> listeners out there so during batting practice in new york they shut the music off and the screen becomes yankeeography and so you you get caught up watching it. And I remember Brandon Morrow, I, Drew loves the story. Brandon Morrow used to always come running out and be like, Ricky, don't be watching that shit. Don't be watching that shit. It's all propaganda. They want you to just feed it into your head so that when you go out there, you shit the bed. 
don't be watching any of that. So we'd turn around and we'd start our chat. And I'd always just laugh every time. Every time he'd catch catch me watching. And he's like, don't watch it. Don't watch it. It's that Yankeeography propaganda. Uh-uh. It ain't working on me. So I thought it was always pretty funny. So to uh, to the team, if you're listening, any of you are listening, don't watch that shit on the screen. <laughs> Brandon Morrow, the single greatest Blue Jay in the history of the franchise. Oh, my God. Uh, like... A really smart dude too, right? Brandon Morrow. Oh like yeah. With the Cal. Like I remember he was the guy that I remember coming in the clubhouse and he was doing the New York Times crossword at his at his locker. Like <laughs> that you don't see a lot of that. You don't oh, see yeah. a lot. Always. You don't see a lot of that. Always. Smart dude. We are smart dudes who are gonna get out of here now while the getting is good. Having told my favorite story of all the times that Ricky and I have chatted off on and off the air. We're having a good time. Blue Jays, <laughs> Yankees. Exciting. Anything else to think about? Anything on your mind? The one thing I keep thinking before we go out of here, and I'd love to know what you think, is the new Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think it's amazing. I, you know, I, everybody loves a home run. I love a home run as much as anybody. Lourdes Gurriel has five home runs this year. I can't think of a change for the better than him becoming this like line drive singles hitter. While it does give us the opportunity to have to watch Lourdes Gurriel run. Which is always a bit of a di- a bit of a, a bit of a bargain, a bit of a gamble. Uh, I just think he's just become such a like it's such a nice counterpoint. He and like he's very almost like Alejandro Kirk now, almost mm-hmm. like bookends. And then you've got Vlad, because then you can have your you've got Matt Chapman, you've got Teoscar Hernandez, you've got Bo Bichette, who are very similar hitters in a lot of ways. But to have a second kind of guy who can clear those bags, who can keep the line going, uh, I really, really think it's just been a huge um, addition and a really. A really um, pleasant surprise and, and evolution of a, of a hitter at the big league level. Really fun to watch. Dude, you're right, man. He's he's turned into an awesome hitter, and and I think he understands his game now. And I, I love when when pitchers try and pitch him away, and he just hits a line drive to right field. It's almost like mm-hmm. become his signature hit right now. And mm-hmm. again, yeah, obviously you want to see numbers up, and we want to see home runs, but he's he's probably not that type of hitter. And, his numbers and, and, are up. That's the other thing, right? His numbers are up because okay. he doesn't yeah. ever get fucking out. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. Like, hey, if if you're going to guarantee me, or not guarantee me, but if more often than not, you're going to be on base for my big boppers, I'm all for it. And he's been doing just that. And the cool thing about it too, Drew, um, that that doesn't get talked about enough is that he's been at the leadoff spot. He's been at the three spot. He's been at the fifth spot. He's been at the seventh spot. He's like been all over that lineup. Um, up and down and and you just see him continue to be just a consistent guy that he's been this season and and wherever they put him he's gonna deliver and that's that's pretty awesome to to watch and, and credit to him so we we haven't talked a lot about matt chapman matt chapman hit lead off he's in, in a bit of a slump he's been striking out a lot i mean just sort of trying some stuff it worked and that the team won i really like especially if i mean george springer as we've just discussed is invaluable in that lineup you can't take him out but if you go Springer one, Vlad two, I really like the idea of Guriel three because you got two good, really good base runners. One who's you know good and fast, one who's good and Vlad, uh, and then you've got Guriel who can just keep that line moving, drive those guys in because they do get on base so much. I almost like the idea of having Teoscar fourth and then and then Kirk fifth. So it's just really uh, a really exciting revelation, a really a really cool development, and I think it can only make the team harder to face. In those late and close situations, as exactly as you said, he is uh, is exactly what the team needs uh, if they want to go make a deep run and make themselves hard to face, make them yeah. make make it a tough out there in the uh, in the late innings. Yeah, no, you're right, and 
I, I think I feel like Schneider's gonna continue to play around with this lineup and see what the what where he can find guys to be consistent at and comfortable at. And it almost seems like he's doing it. He's like shifted the lineup so many times. But again, I mean, when 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 you have a when you have this much depth in that lineup, it, it makes it fun. I, I feel like as a manager, you're like, okay, let's 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 find the roles for these guys. Let's let's see where they get comfortable at, where they can get hot at. And and uh, yeah, I mean, if if Springer can set the tone at the top of the lineup, I think the it, the rest of the lineup speaks for itself. And if Santiago Espinal can get on base for the bottom part of the lineup then it, it makes it even that much better because we know what the middle guys can do. We know what Kirk, Kirk can do. We know what Vladdy can do. We know what Oscar can do. So, again, it'll be fun. Another uh, A fun series, them versus the Yankees, and um, some good pitching matchups that I'm looking forward to. So, Let's go. I mean, this is this is this is go time. This is time. Like we've been we've been taught since last week, Drew. We we said it right. I mean, when August hit, this is their playoff time, and it starts now. And if they fall behind, and they they can be on the outside looking in at any point right now, but they put themselves in this position. So now it's hey, let's 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 go out there. Let's let let's kick some ass. Exactly, exactly that. Exciting time, fun August series. Lots to gain, lots to do. We're going to run. We got to get out of here. His name is Ricky Romero. My name is Drew Fairservice. We will be back with more spin right next week, hopefully talking about a very exciting and interesting and and productive series for the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk to you the next time on the very next episode of Spin Rate.